turn to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2 said, if you'll read verses 1 through 6, and Lori, if you'll read verses 7 through 13. Daniel chapter 2, we're going to talk about dealing with a crisis to the glory of God. What do we need to be able to do that? You want to read verses 1 through 6? Sid. No, Daniel. Daniel, that's okay. That's all right. Let me go ahead. Kendra, go ahead. Yeah. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. And the astrologers answered the king in Amrit, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your house's turned with clouds of gold. If you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and reward and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He says, uh, show me, tell me what the dream is, interpret it for me, and if you can't, we're going to kill you. And so Daniel and his friends are not even involved in this, and yet he gets included in the death sentence. You know, it's like somebody coming up to you and, and putting you in an impossible situation, and you're going, how am I going to get through this? What am I going to do? And what can I do and respond in such a way that it brings glory and honor to God. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You know, certainly here you, it seems impossible. Maybe a boss that wants something completed that can't be done in the time that he gives, or maybe it's somehow that you're never good enough. Something is just always, you just can't meet up to the expectations of others. Maybe it's a situation that you will not be able to resolve and the consequences for not resolving it are very severe. I remember in Ecuador last year, last June, and I was uh, teaching the young people about the uh, family relationship and the father being the head of the family and all this and some basics from the scripture in Ephesians. And 
these uh, young people were asking very, very probing questions and asking very good questions that really kept me on my toes as far as answering. And one particular young man, he's 26 years old, and he said, uh, Jim, how, what do I do about coming to church when my father tells me he does not want me to come to church? And uh, this man's name is Pablo, and he played in the praise and worship band, and uh, he loves church, he loves Jesus, and his father was actually saying, you cannot come to church. And, uh, you know, he said, because I still live under his house. He's a young man, not married yet, and he's still living with his father. How do, uh, what do you do about that? Well, <laughs> uh, I had to explain to him how to work with that and so forth, but Pablo felt like he was in an impossible situation. He wanted to obey his father, but then again, what God was leading him to do as far as growing in Christ and being a part of the body of Christ and so forth, he realized he needed to be a part of that. And so we settled it, and I felt like that, that he understood what he could do under the authority of the written word and of the scripture and so forth. But Daniel and his friends, companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were actually facing death at this time. And if we look on further in this chapter... It says in verses 14 through 16, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, so they're going to get killed, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. And he asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh degree? Uh, Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel, and at this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Daniel was saying, hold on, king, give me a little bit of time. I'm sure that he was uh, certainly up with his relationship with Jesus or with, with the Lord, God Almighty. And yet he said, give me a little bit of time. He needed to reflect upon what was going on. So dealing with a crisis to the glory of God requires wisdom. Not worldly wisdom, but godly wisdom. You and I, in these last days, will need godly wisdom. We are in a warfare. The Satan wants to take people out, wants to keep them away from the things of God. And we need to be wise the way God obviously interprets what wisdom is. James chapter 1, it says, if you ask for wisdom, then he'll give it to you liberally. In other words, he'll just pour wisdom out on you, and he'll do it without reproach. In other words, if you came to God here in this hour and said, Lord, I need wisdom for this, and then you came back the next hour and said, I still need wisdom. He doesn't go back and say, well, you just asked for wisdom. I'm not going to give you any more. He keeps giving wisdom and wisdom and wisdom if we'll ask him. And Daniel knew he needed wisdom in this particular time. time. And he said, well, uh, give me just a little bit of time. So how do we become wise? First of all, wisdom begins with a reverence for the Lord. Proverbs 9 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, not just knowing, but truly intimately knowing. The fear of God is the wisdom uh, that God gives, the beginning there. Daniel had a relationship with the one true God, knowing his love, his power, his sovereignty, his authority, and he trusted in the Lord and his life for, for eternity also. So Daniel knew the Lord. There was a reverence. So when you become saved, that is the beginning of your walk in wisdom. But that's not the end. It just says it's the beginning of wisdom. I believe three things I mentioned, I'll go back, that we need in these last days. One is wisdom. One 
is discernment, obviously. We need that. And we also need to know who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. We need to know those things. We need to be able to walk in the authority that God has given us, walk with the certainty and confidence that we have that God is truly with us and that he will take us through things in life that we never, ever thought we could go through and couldn't go through without his help. Daniel knew that. And God, Daniel knew he needed wisdom at this particular time. And sometimes, you know, we sometimes think, well, if we throw a few quick prayers up and so forth, that God's going to respond here. And yes, he does. But we need to have a real respect for him, a real relationship with him. We need to know that when we sin, it breaks his heart. Daniel says in Psalm 51, he says, against you and you alone have I sinned. When we realize in our hearts that we have sinned against God. Yes, there are consequences, and yes, there may be other people that are affected by that sin, but when we realize that we break the heart of God, we revere Him, we respect Him, we honor Him, and we don't want to do anything to break His heart. We want to walk in obedience to Him, and that is what the reverence of the Lord is, respect and honor and all the glory. We know that He is God Almighty, Romans 10, 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Wisdom begins there. When you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, or confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. Those two go together. A confession and also a belief down deep in your heart. And so we see here, it's the beginning of wisdom. But wisdom grows with a humility for ourselves. We grow in wisdom when we realize that we can't do anything apart from God Almighty. Until we realize that, we will strive. Until we realize that, we will work our fingers to the bones, as the old saying goes. Until we realize that we look to the Lord for that strength that we need. As we call upon His name and we realize He answers and he wants to help us in times of trouble, in times when we're on the mountaintop. No matter what we're going through in life, humility for ourselves is an honest recognition that we're unable in ourselves, apart from the Lord and the gifts that he gives us to accomplish things that, we, that have any eternal value. We need to realize that we are humble before the Lord, humble ourselves, trusting the Lord to do what he desires to do, depending upon him for everything, no matter what it is. We have so much stuff here in this country. We have so much stuff in our lives. You know, I've always said most garages are filled up and the cars are outside, and then we have all these, these particular storage places and, and all these things. They're building more and more. A lot of people make a lot of money because they're building these storage places because they know people have so much stuff that their particular rental sites will be rented out. They're all filled up with stuff. We got so much stuff we got so much stuff coming in our lives. We've got social media. We've got TV. We've got radio. We've got all this stuff going on around our lives. This clutter, I call. And God is saying today, we need to obviously, <laughs> we need to depend upon him. That means prayer. That means seeking his face here. Daniel found out in the situation, he asked for more time. He said, wait a minute, let me have a little bit of time here. And I believe what he was doing is seeking the Lord as far as what the interpretation of that dream was. And also, we grow in wisdom as we humbly seek the, seek the counsel of God's people. 
In Proverbs 11:14, it says, For a lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. <clears throat> we need the insight of other people. I've talked about community. I've talked about the unity in the body of Christ, and I've talked about how important the church is. When we come in, what do you do most of the time? People saying, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Oh, yeah, it's good and so forth. And, all, and if you get down and you begin to talk to that individual and you'll say, how was your week? It was terrible. Well, you just said it was good. Everything's good. When we come to church, we ought to be able to, to speak to one another in, in the right way, obviously appropriately, and have people pray for us. We need to have people stand with us and support us and listen to us. Sometimes just a listening ear will help you get through a situation. We need each other. And this is why Daniel was wanting more time. He wanted to know, and he sought the Lord. I'm sure he sought the counsel there, people. But the church body has been placed here so that we can help one another. I'm always amazed at a lot of people from the church who make major decisions in their life, and they never ask for prayer from the church. They make major decisions. They don't want counsel on it. Counsel is something that's really important. We need to ask the Lord first. But when there's major decisions in your life and my life, we need the church to be able to pray and to seek counsel from those that are wise. They walk with the Lord. So we need to grow in that. And we also need to humbly pray to the Lord. Daniel, in, in verse 18, he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. We need to pray, and we need to ask the Lord. We need to have other people pray for us. We need to have our prayers answered. Obviously, the Lord will answer prayers, but we need to have our prayers affirmed by the body of Christ. I'm praying this way. Would you pray with me? And then listen to what that person says. If it's a wise person, a person that wants to, to be a part and really hearing from the Lord. And then seek the wisdom in numbers. Listen to people. Because we're not in this alone. We need the counsel of other people. We need people praying in unity. We need people uh, seeking the Lord in these particular matters. He goes on to say, is that God grows us in wisdom as we humbly give glory to the Lord. In verses 20 through 23, Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and disposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of our fathers, you have given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what you ask of uh, what we ask of you, and if you've made known to me, to us, the dream of the king. He thanked God. He gave him the, power, the the glory and all. We need to give God the glory. We need to express that in the assembly of the believers. That's why we have this time. I guarantee you, if we would take time, I right now could stand before you and probably take now until 2 o'clock to tell you what God has did in Jim Barcliffe's life this past week. I want to tell you. Couldn't you do that? Couldn't you really stop? When we really stop and think what God has done in your life and my life this past week, in this last seven days since we met last Sunday, couldn't you just stay and just tell about God? Couldn't you glorify Him in the, the assembly of believers? Couldn't you 
Come and express yourself and say glory to God because God has done great things. I wanted to read this because I felt like the Lord gave me this particular scripture in open worship too. I'll share it with you. It's Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, you were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. And then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. (laughs) We were captive by the enemy. We were held in bondage by Satan himself before we accepted Christ. And yet when he brought us out of captivity, we can rejoice. We can praise him. And we are glad about that. Aren't you glad about that today? Think about just salvation alone. If you're here today and you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, couldn't you praise him for eternity Couldn't you say, I am so glad that God pulled me out of that sin and that muck and the mire and all those things that I was involved in and God set my feet upon a rock. His name is Jesus. Couldn't we be glad? Couldn't we rejoice in just salvation? God's healed us. He's delivered us. But oh my God, he, he saved me. You know how many people today, you know what God is putting on my heart and beginning to burn on my heart? And that is an agony for souls. There are people that are going out into eternity around us. They live next door to us. We work with them and all, and they don't know Jesus. And they're lost, and they are leaving this earth, and they don't know Jesus. You and I as a church should be crying out that God would give us an agony for souls, that he would give us tears for those who don't know Jesus. We've become kind of hardened and cold, and I'm speaking personally because I had to ask God for these things it's not something that comes natural for me the spirit has imparted to your life salvation salvation comes from Jesus there is no other name under heaven by which men shall be saved except by the name of Jesus and if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you've never asked Christ to come in your life He initiated this by coming and dying for our sins. He came to earth and died at Calvary. And he arose again to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us completely so that one day we'll stand before a holy God and we'll be able to stand there because of what Jesus has done for us. The time is now. If you know him, praise God. And we glorify him, don't we? But if you don't, today is the day that you ask and receive him into your heart to believe upon him and say, my full trust is upon you, Jesus. I can't do anything. You know what I mean? People I visit, I see on a regular basis that believes that, that somehow that everybody's going to heaven. I talked to people this past week. They said, I can't believe that a good God would send a person who's Buddhist or a person who's Muslim or a person who doesn't believe in Jesus that he would send them to hell. God does not send people to hell. People choose to reject Jesus. The Bible says in 1 John if you, that you have Jesus, you have life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. And they said, I just can't believe that. And they kind of believe, yeah, Jesus, I kind of believe it. And I sort of like, yeah, I, I know that. And I, I, I practice Christmas and, and so forth. And maybe I, I, yeah, I go to church 
at Easter time and so forth, but they never, ever said, Jesus, come into my life and be my personal Lord and Savior. They never, ever made a commitment to Christ because they believe today everybody's head to heaven. And that's the biggest lie that Satan has ever given to the world. Everybody goes to heaven. No, they don't. No, they don't. There's a hell and there's a heaven. You don't hear a lot of preachers, a lot of times they don't preach about hell and, and, and all. But let me tell you today, it's straight more spoken of in the New Testament about hell than there is heaven. We need to glorify him, don't we? Daniel was glorifying him. He said, you've interpreted this, and I know we're going go, to go back to the, to the king. And, and he didn't get any glory for himself. He said, it's all about you, Jesus. You see, today it's not about me. It's not about whether or not I even come close to preaching a good sermon. It's not about me and maybe a prayer and a prayer, a good prayer. It's not about any of that. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus and him alone. He's the only way. And you glorify him. And so we could stand in the assembly of the believers today and we could glorify him and praise him. And say, take all focus off of me. I'm standing, yes. But don't look at me. Look at Jesus. That's what Daniel was saying. Daniel went on to say, you know, that no man, no enchanter, no magician, diviner, could explain the king the mystery here. And I wanted to, Daniel said, God, but God does. Because see, God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. When you humble your heart and you say, Lord, I don't understand all this stuff, but I want you in my life. I just want you to come in, Lord Jesus, and I want you to be King of kings and Lord of lords to me personally. When you do that, the Holy Spirit will come in like a flood. And he'll take you, and he'll, he'll captivate your heart. He'll love. You'll have a love affair with Jesus. We're to be in love with Jesus more than we are life or anybody else in this world today. Jesus should be number one in my life, and your life also should be a number one in the life of the church today. We should be in love with him more than anything else in this world. But what do we do? We're in love with everything except for Jesus. The Bible tells us to know him truly is to love him and to praise him. Tell about what God has done and praise his holy name. He goes on and says there are blessings that are in store. Daniel is telling the dream, telling the interpretation of the dream there. We ask him, God has got so many gifts and so many blessings for us, but we're to share those blessings. We're to give ourselves away. God, I believe, will give more power to those who he can trust with his power. And those people that will, no matter what, are convicted and sold out for Jesus, no matter what. David, uh, Daniel needed wisdom, didn't he? We need wisdom every day. And God will give you more authority. God will give you more blessings. He will pour it out. But those blessings are to give away. He'd give away. I've always told about my mom. Because my mom was a giver. And she didn't have a lot. We didn't have a whole lot. But she would give her. She'd give you the shirt off her back. You know, you've heard that about people. She'd give you the bank. She'd give you whatever. She would take care of you. And she had her wallet. And she had mad money in there. What she called mad money. 
and she ran out of the regular supply that was in the regular part of the wallet and then she had some tucked away. I never saw her go without. She kept giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. She's that way. God calls us to do that too, doesn't he? Because we know that we don't own it anyway. We're just to be good stewards of it. We're to give ourselves away. When we God sees a good steward, you watch the abundance of his blessings that he pours out in your life and my life when we begin to give it away. But see, we hold on to it. And that's why we got so much stuff. That's why we've got these storage packed places. And we've got all this stuff today because we've held on to so much stuff. And you know, some of that stuff, and even in my life, I go through, I had a time here recently where I went through my closet. <laughs> Y'all did that recently? I'm not pointing the finger at anybody here, but if it steps on your toes, so be it. <laughs> but I got these big garbage uh, bags, you know, the black ones you use in the yard. I pulled them out, and I said, I won't need but just maybe a couple of these. And I'll go through the old clothes that I have not worn in years, and old shoes that I have not worn in years. And all the other stuff in there that I haven't used or even knew that was there for years. And I kept filling one bag up after the other until finally I couldn't even put it in the garbage can. It was too much. I, had, I was trying to stuff it down in there with one bag. I forget how many. I think it was five bags when I finished. Just this is in a little tiny. We don't have a big closet. It's a little closet. Do you get the idea of the picture? We got too much. We're blessed, aren't we? But we're blessed to give it away, to help people, to reach out to those. But you see, what the greatest thing we can give away is, is our faith. And we begin to ask God to give us an agony for souls, an agony, a tears for souls. What, let me ask you, and don't, I'm not saying here, because I'm speaking to myself always the last time you cried when tears came to your eyes because somebody that you knew didn't know Jesus and you wanted so bad in your heart for that person to come to Christ that it brought emotions to your eyes to your tears, to your heart when's the last time it's a gift of tears an agony of soul as you see people today going out into eternity without Jesus Christ Nowhere do I find in the Bible says there's another chance to receive Christ after you take your last breath here on this earth. This is it. An agony of souls. There's so many people around us. They don't know Christ. And you know what we say is, well, you know, um, they're making a choice. And you know, if God wants to save them, yeah, he'll save them. And you know, this and that. And yes, they do. Those are all true things. But for whatever reason, God has chosen to use his body, his people, his children to share that good news with other people about Jesus Christ and about he lives. He lives. The only God that's ever gone in the grave and is risen. And a lot of gods out there, little G's, but the one true God, he came to earth. He already, from eternity past, said, in the fullness of time, when God sent forth his son to die on a cross, to be buried in a grave, and then to, to rise on the third day. Have you thanked him for your salvation here lately? Have you glorified his name because you're saved today? Because life is brief, you know? 
Doctors are saying a lot of things, aren't they? And you hear what the doctor says and, and you go, oh my goodness. You see, me, you and I are scooting through life and we don't give anything about the brevity of life. Life is brief. And we don't glorify it. You see today, let me put, put it real clear. If we started glorifying the Lord here and the Spirit of the Lord came in this place and settled here right now, and we had to stay here till 6 o'clock, let me tell you today, I would be right here till 6 o'clock. I would be right here praising God and worshiping Him forever and ever and ever. That's how much, as God stirs that in your hearts at various times, doesn't He? About the gracious gift that He has given us through Jesus Christ. I'm forever grateful. We didn't sing the song, but I can say the words. I'm forever grateful that Jesus is Lord. I'm forever grateful. And I want to proclaim Him to the heavenlies today. I don't want to hold back because of what somebody may think or what somebody may say or what somebody may see. I'm going to proclaim Him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever throughout eternity. And that's what Daniel was doing. He was glorifying God. He said, it's not about me. Yeah, God's going to give the interpretation of the dream. But it's not about me. It's about him. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we praise you and thank you. We just pray today, Lord, that you would impart that agony for souls. And realizing there are so many that are going out into eternity without Christ. And we don't even give it a second thought. <clears throat> Forgive us when we have not done what we've been called to do. Cleanse us, dear Lord, today of those times of our apathy and our so, so forth. Well, we, we don't want to do this or that. We don't want to upset the apple cart. Forgive us when we thought that, Lord. And come in like a mighty flood, Holy Spirit of God. Come in. We need you desperately in the church again. Come and bring revival. Spark an awakening in this place like we've never seen before. And dear Lord, today, give us wisdom, godly wisdom, to walk with you day by day, to be able to discern, to be able to walk, Lord, the path you've called us on. Because, dear Lord, we're living in treacherous times, and we need your help. I'm asking today that your anointing would rest upon every person in this place that they would see life different when they leave this place today, that their lives and hearts would be changed when they go back in the marketplace tomorrow and the next day and the next day, and they'll be able to see souls and how rich, dear Lord, today, and how, Lord, many times vacant of God they are, and we would be given an agony of souls, and we will cry out to you until we see the multitudes again come back in and give their hearts to Jesus. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah.